Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing well, Derek. I cannot complain, and I don't think Kentucky fans can really complain much right now. Football season, just a few days away, and a, a recruit. We've been getting a lot of questions in our mailbags about when's Kentucky going to end this streak of not getting recruits for 2022, even though it's still early. But Shaden Sharp, the number one player in multiple uh, networks now with ESPN, Rivals, On3. Derek, he has a chance probably to become the consensus number one if, when 24-7 maybe updates. Uh, but he has set a commitment date for September 7th. Kentucky could have a big-time basketball commitment very soon. Yeah, we're sitting here six days out um, with – I think at this point you would call uh, not not so much a well-kept secret. I mean, Kentucky's going to get Shaden Sharp. I think everyone's agreed on that. And, um, I mean, it's huge, Sean. We're talking about a guy, like you said, in the composite he's ranked fourth. Um, but in the actual 24-7 rankings, he's uh, sixth. So once there's a new update, he could move even higher. And this is a guy, whenever I first heard the name Shaden Sharp, I went and looked. I think he was somewhere like 73rd on the composite or something like that. He was way down on the list. He has risen, I guess, more than anyone almost. Um, although Derek Lively in a lot of ways was similar in the rise. So these are two guys who by the end of it, I think most sites will have as a consensus top five player, probably even higher top three, really. Um, but that's, that's what makes me laugh though, Sean. We had all those mailbag questions last <laughs> week. I mean, multiple, so many people stressing over recruiting and I sit here today and I look at this and I say, this will be a domino to fall. When Sharp commits, you'll have two guys in the top 11 with Case and Wallace, Adeem Bona, uh, and then Lively as an option. So five guys in the top uh, 13. So I don't think we'll be getting too many more questions here in the future about <laughs> no. concerns over the recruiting. Pretty soon, these mailbags on the basketball side will transition to the season because recruiting is going to take care of itself, Derek. This class is going to be in really good shape by the time they get to that November signing period. I, I said the other day that I think Kentucky will have four signatures by the time that they that week they play Duke in Madison Square Garden. They're going to get they're going to have Sky Clark, Casey Wallace. I, I fully believe will be a Kentucky Wildcat along with Sharp, and then I I, I still really like. Adem Bona, possibly, as an early guy. It seems like Lively will be someone that waits till the spring, uh, but remains to really be seen. But I think Kentucky could have at least three, possibly four, by that week. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, – it's a statement. I mean, Sharp, uh, I believe I read somewhere – I think the good news is, if you had any lingering concerns, I think you were supposed to have a call with the G League tomorrow. Had you heard anything on that? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was what that what that was supposed so, to be. So he's already set his commitment date uh, the and, day before. I think that tells you it's probably not a serious option for him. Yeah, and, you know, wrapped up a second visit to Kentucky, one where his parents got to go on this time. And under the, the you know, the NCAA with the, with the COVID year, Derek, now those guys could get two official visits to a school. So, like, he, he just got another visit with Kentucky just right off the hills of Case and Wallace leaving. And then you see Andrew Slater come out yesterday, and Slater is one of the most plugged-in guys when it comes to college basketball, storylines, recruiting, 
things like that. And everybody that was tipped off about Wallace and Sharp both trending towards Kentucky. You know, Slater didn't run from that yesterday. Said the right beat got got the information. Mm-hmm. So it certainly sounds like Kentucky is about to add two elite players. And with Wallace, with that com- commitment date set for, I think it's November 7th. Is that the date that it's set for? Yes. If I'm not mistaken, I-, I could see that being moved up, Derek. Oh, yeah, me too. That was a good little placeholder, I think, for Wallace. But if he knows where he wants to be, I don't see any reason to wait. What you think the Jay Lucas tweet, um, you think that was centered on Sharp or maybe just in general for this? You know what I'm talking about? Where he's like, if you could do it. I, I don't know the exact wording. Um how long, how recent? Up. Yeah, how recent was that? It was within the last couple of weeks. Um, Chris Fisher retweeted it the other day. It had been pulled out. Let me go uh, check this bad boy out. Okay, here it was. It was from August twelfth, actually. Okay. So it said, "Never wait. If you can do it, do it." And it made yeah. me feel like it could be related. To, although it has been, you know, three weeks or so since that. Yeah, you you would think though with Jay that that has something to do with recruiting and yeah. you know why why put it off if you know where you want to go and we know kentucky offered wallace about what a month ago now at peach mm-hmm. jam uh we we were i know we had a lot of questions in the mailbag too about why is kentucky not offered case and wallace and they saw what they needed to see that day Derek. and i think that in him you would get a guy that could be one of the better two-way players in college basketball i know the, his defensive game is what gets a lot of his attention, his uh, his effort diving on the floor for loose balls, his ability to chase down and get, get blocks in, in transition. But his offensive game, too, I think it has a lot of potential to it with his size. And if they get Sharp and Wallace, Kentucky's backcourt and perimeter, it's solidified before the November signing period in Clark and Sharp and Wallace. And then you don't know who's returning off this roster. You get a big early, and then Cal and the staff can kind of kick back, relax, maybe get started on 23 and then decide and kind of key in on who they wrap this class up with, whether that be Lively or maybe a transfer portal guy late in the spring. Yeah, that would be a nice feather in Jay Lucas's hat as well to get Cason Wallace. I mean, obviously another Texas guy. They got Collins last year. I think that would tell you that he's acclimated himself very well um, to recruiting at Kentucky. Of course, he was already doing a good job at Texas prior. What's the breakdown on these other guys, Sean? I don't even know who is like the main – is it kind of all by committee right now? Is Cal very heavily involved for the Sharps, Livelys, Wallace, or obviously Wallace is Lucas, but do you know the kind of the breakdown of that with Antigua and Coleman? I don't. Let me – I know obviously Wallace is Lucas. With Sharp, I'm trying to think who – it seems like Cal has been leading the charge for a lot yeah. of these guys, doesn't it? And that, that was yeah. the switch because uh, – I'm trying to look. Can you pull that? Can you see that on 24-7s? On the database there? I know for football, we really keep it up to date, but basketball, not so much. Yeah, it doesn't show any recruiters on his site, on Shaden Sharps. Okay. Uh, that's where I think that I, I honestly think that Cal has been kind of spearheading this thing, uh, obviously with the switch and staff and stuff in the spring and trying to to touch base with these guys. And But, I mean, you saw Kentucky this summer. I mean, they sent guys everywhere, Chin Coleman, and that's where the impact of Chin Coleman in Orlando is going to pay off. We said that all spring and summer, Derek, that it wasn't going to be transfer portal or Jalen Duran or Kofi Coburn. It, it was going to be what come with this 22 class. That's where Kentucky was going to make their statement that they're back. And now you're, you're talking about Sharp, who, I mean, 
three number one rankings across other, you know, on three rivals and ESPN. And then he's right there in two in 24 seven could end up being the number one player there with a good year. And then you're talking Kentucky possibly getting the number one guy in 23 two in Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like they're back. Um, I mean, if Wagner does go to college, it would be surprising unless something crazy happens that it's not at Kentucky. Um, but no, this has been a, it's been a good run, especially last year, only taking three high school guys led to questions, you know, what would kind of the strategy be moving forward with how much of an emphasis it would be on the transfer portal. But I think they're going towards the right number. I Always, it just seems like it's still within Cal's comfort zone. I know last year was awful. There are reasons it was awful, but to have, you just don't want to go too far on the extreme. You don't want to have just be solely dependent on freshmen. But if you have a baseline of, maybe your five most talented quote unquote overall players being freshmen, but you have a sophomore to come back. If you look at the holes in your roster, you can fill that with experienced college guys. I think that's like going to be the sweet spot for them. And um, some years, maybe it'll be different. Some years, if you don't feel like you can get, you know, this year it looks like they're going to be able to land, you know, five top 15 guys, which would be phenomenal. Maybe some classes, you know, similar to last year. Maybe it doesn't happen that way, and you have to go a little bit more heavy with the portal. But I, I think, um, man, I think that roster next year, if it shakes out the right way, could be extremely, extremely talented. I'm talking like yep. by this time next year, depending on who they have from the portal, depending on who comes back, I think you could be looking at, no kidding, like a preseason potential number one team, don't, don't you think? Yeah, Absolutely. You could, and and that's the thing. We we have no idea who's going to come back from this roster, Derek. We know there will be some guys back. I've mentioned C.J. Frederick. You know, Dante Allen's another guy who comes Frederick back. Topping. With, yeah, Toppin. Toppin. I, I do think that this will be it for Keon. That's just my take on it. I, I think that Keon, this will be it for him. And I think I expect him to have a big year, put, him in, put himself in position to go and get drafted. But then you move on to the bigs. Lance Ware, we've talked about a long-term guy. Oscar Shibway, who knows if he needs another year. And then Damian Collins, is he physically ready after one season, Derek? There's there's there. The, the blend could be there for returning guys, elite freshmen, and then maybe you just identify that one area of your roster where you need a guy from the transfer portal in the spring. I mean, that sounds like the master plan to me. <laughs> so, they're in a good that? spot. I mean, I <laughs> – I know, like, they're top 15-ish this year. I I personally think they're going to be better next season. Yeah. But I don't want to put a ceiling on this year's team either. No. We we have no idea. We, and we won't know. And we won't know until – and I'm not even going to judge it, too, on that Duke game. I'm going to wait till no. that stretch in December there with Ohio State and those. That's where I want to see what this team's going to do. Uh, when it comes to uh, basketball, but it, it's certainly going to be much better than what they were last season. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. But Derek, let's transition over to the football side here. Just going to record something short on on this. And you know, football. We're right here. Kickoff is just a couple of days away or three days away, depending on when you listen to this. But SEC football, Tennessee kicks off Thursday, so it's time. It, the wait is finally over. Talking season's finally done. We're going to be giving our picks for these games here in a couple of days. Uh, just like we did last year, we're going to try to engage with our listeners on that. I want people to kind of tell us what they think about it. But one topic today is Pete Thamel, Pat Forty. And who who's the other Dan one there? Wetzel. Dan Wetzel. On, Calipari's buddy. Yeah. And what's is that the what's the podcast name? I want to make sure I get it right. I haven't listened to it except for that. Uh I College Football Inquirer is the the podcast that they that those three host. So Nebraska is obviously a topic right now because they, they look horrible again. And if that trends if that trend continues, Derek. Nebraska is probably moving towards getting rid of getting rid of Scott Frost, which is going to open up a Power Five job in the Big Ten. Pete Thamel threw out Stoops' name as one of the two intriguing candidates for that job, along with PJ Fleck of Minnesota. He said, "Go hire Mark Stoops. He's been about as good as Kentucky at Kentucky as you can be. And look, they just need talking about Nebraska. Just need to get back to baseline functional." If Mark Stoops has showed anything, it is that he can get a perpetually awful program to baseline functional. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's true. Um, I really enjoy the uh, Stoops talk just because I think there are so many ways you can go about it. Like, I, I, I do think that Stoops would do well at a – let me put it this way. I don't think Mark Stoops will ever be a national championship winning coach. And for any program that he takes a step up, that will be the goal, right? Yeah. I think he does make sense in, in some ways for a program like Nebraska in the sense that I have no doubt that Stoops could get them. You know, if they didn't freak out and can them after two years or whatever, like if he had – if he gave Mark Soups five years at Nebraska, he could get them to uh, to be a annually an eight nine win team. Is yeah. is that good enough though? And Nebraska, I'm not sure. Like I, I don't know what his ceiling is honestly as a head coach. And um, if if Nebraska hired him after the season, I I think I would say it's a good hire. I really would for Nebraska. I have a lot of respect for the job that Soups has done. What I think we understand, and the people listening to this podcast understand, and what I think eventually people in college football, especially after that 2018 season came to understand is UK is a very difficult job. Had he been at some other schools? No, I don't think he probably would have made it through. Uh, well, hard to say, cause year four, they did get to a bowl, but you know, it was pretty, I guess bland would be a word I would use up until 2018. Like they had the one big breakthrough year. And even though the win loss hasn't really been phenomenal since 2018 it still seems like fans still love stoops it seems like people especially this year like like i said a lot of it depends on this year if he gets back to that 9 10 win mark this year you do that twice in four years at uk 
I mean, that's going to catch a well, lot of people's attention. Go ahead. No, you, you continue with what she's going to say. Well, I just think that, like, unique circumstances went into helping Stoops get to where he is. And his demeanor, like, honestly, I think – I would be curious to see how he would do at a bigger program where the expectations are more. I, I don't – Nebraska is a hard job for me because, honestly, like, if you follow a blueprint – and we talked about this with Michigan. Like, Michigan makes a lot of sense, in my opinion, for Stoops or Penn State. Like, one of those yeah. Big Ten jobs makes way more sense. I think Nebraska is a tough job yeah, right yeah. now. Since they've left the Big 12, that has been a hard job. It's hard to recruit kids from some of the areas that they used to recruit them. I know Adam Luckett's talked about this some, and I, I think he's spot on. Like, it, I think that's been a very poor move for that program and uh i I don't think stoops would take that job honestly um and i'm not someone who thinks stoops would never leave like i absolutely think stoops would leave for the right job i just don't think unless he just feels like he's stuck at uk and i don't get that vibe from stoops at all i mean he's been pretty adamant this offseason that he wants to improve this program even more i think the move that he made going to liam cohen is not that was not a move out of desperation i would say i mean i think he they could have kept Grant for another year, I think. And, I mean, I don't think people would have loved it. But at the same time, I bet people would have been willing to give it a chance. But it's recognizing that if you're ever truly going to be more than a 7-8 win-ish team annually, they had to improve there. So, I think that was a somewhat, you could call it bold, I guess, move. But um, it's, it's the move of someone who isn't flat-out content, uh, even though he has every reason in the world from a job security standpoint to be content. So I think from that aspect, if you're a UK fan, you have to be really encouraged. Well, and I look at it like this, and, and I've said this on this show. I've said it on other platforms, and I don't know why I feel this way, but I said if Mark Stoops gets to year 10 at Kentucky, I don't think he leaves, Derek, unless it would be for one of those <clears throat> big-time jobs. You know, like if there's a program out there, like an Oklahoma or at some point, if it opens up for some reason or – uh, maybe, I don't know, like I, I could see him leaving for one of the elite jobs, maybe a guaranteed place where he could be a top five team and compete for a national championship. But a place like Nebraska, who hasn't been there since the 90s, I compare Nebraska to Tennessee just because their fan base is still holding on to those national championship years, Derek, and the way that college football's changed and Saban at Alabama, Dabo at Clemson, Ohio State's Ohio State. It's going to be hard to me for Nebraska and Tennessee to get back to those days, in my opinion. But so if if you're winning eight, nine games at Kentucky, you're going to have a statue put up outside. If you go to Nebraska and win eight or nine or Tennessee eight or nine, you might get fired. Yeah. And it's just it's not. a And that's just the expectations of, the, of those programs. Kentucky is a comfortable expectation. These fans are no longer a six and six acceptable. I think that you're to a point now, Derek, that with the fans, seven and five is not acceptable, but Mitch Barnhart's not firing Mark Stoops for going seven and five. Stoops has elevated the ex- expectations of the program, but not to the point to where if he just if he has a winning season, he's getting fired for it. You go six and six, seven and five at Tennessee, Nebraska, you might get you if you do that a couple of years, you're probably gonna get fired. Yeah. Well, and to that point, too, I think Tennessee's infrastructure is still set up much better. I think they still have a recruiting base. Like, if they had the right coach, Tennessee could still win big. The SEC I don't know helps, if that's, too. Yeah, I don't know if that's true for Nebraska anymore. Um, they don't have that recruiting base. They they have incredible fan support. I mean, truly incredible. It's There are still many pros to that job, no doubt about it. But I think, if I mean, you got to be a little nervous if Scott Frost 
since he's not really worked out there. But with Stoops, I mean, there's a lot to be said for fit. And with the current system in place, with Vince Mayer there, with I, I would throw John Summerall in there, although you got to expect Summerall's probably – well, Summerall, I think there's going to be a tipping point where either White leaves for a good job, a head coaching job, and Summerall gets promoted, or something like Summerall is a legitimate possibility to get like a job this offseason as a head coach. I, I, I think if Troy came open, he would very much be in play there. So I don't know how much longer he's going to be here. Like, I think there are certain things here or there that if they happen, let's say Vince Merrill got a chance to be a head coach somewhere. You know, he flirted with the Youngstown State job, let's just say theoretically he does get a job like that somewhere. I think there are things that could change and you would have to see how Stoops would adapt. And I, I think a real thing to pay attention to, like right now it's really good. I think this could be one of their best years yet, no doubt about it. But a couple things here, there changed. Maybe Stoops sees it like, hey, we can't keep doing things the exact same way. If they don't recruit at the same level, you could see it start to slow slow down a little bit. And if Soup recognizes that and has a has a good year here in a year or two and decides to get out, then I does that make sense what I'm saying? It like, does. As long as the current system or whatever, I mean Marrow's a big part of it, honestly. As long as Marrow is still there and you still have that ability to get talent. I mean, the way that they're right now, they should always be able to get pretty good players. And you can keep this going. I, I couldn't imagine they couldn't keep this going as long as they have it right there. But you know, does Vince Merrill want to, you know, if we're talking about Stoops being a lifer, does Merrill still want to be here five years from now, 15 years as an assistant? You know, I mean, if he wants to be a head coach, at some point he's going to move on. So that would be the thing I would watch for. I don't I don't know. Michigan would be the job I would watch. But I, I still think that, like, you have to have a level of the way that they've been winning. I just don't think it's going to be enough to excite ADs and fans at other programs. So that's why I think Cohen is such a big hire. Well, you think about it this way, too. If they're very, very good on offense, there's a pretty good chance that, like, Cohen won't be following him anywhere anyway. Like, he could be back to the NFL. He could be off the – who knows? You know what I mean? So, I would still project Stoops to be there. But the the reason we brought this up, obviously, was strictly with the Nebraska job. We've heard him rumored for Iowa, potentially. Like, I think those are jobs he would just make if he felt like he's hit his peak at Kentucky and there's no – getting better from here and i don't think they're there yet but i do think it's a possibility it could get there eventually well the really interesting scenario though sean would be if they're very good the next two or three years some of the infrastructure they have in place now changes and they start to slide you know what i mean like do you then it gets really tricky because he's clearly established himself as the best coach in school history uh i I just kind of wonder about that but that's that's projecting way out and and what's the ceiling for him at Kentucky? We we don't know. We have no idea what it's going to be. And I, I'm not ready to put a cap on him yet, Derek, because I, I want to see what they do this year. I want to see what they do uh, with some of these changes that are coming to the game. But like you said, let's say that they have a good year this year, another good year next year, then they slide back for a couple of years. Then you lose – do you lose some of that appeal? Yeah, you probably lose your chance to ever – be a head coach somewhere yeah. like i think these next two years are really important for him if he, if he truly has aspirations to be uh at a true title contender then and it's a big deal these next couple of years and let's say that he does decide to leave let's say they have two really good years 
then what you've got is you've got almost a decade of really solid Kentucky football. Yeah. And that's going to make it easier for the next hire. Not easier for expectations, but it's going to make it easier to find a candidate, Derek, that is worthy and and maybe looks at Kentucky differently than what Mark Stoops and others looked at it the last time they made a hire. Like Mark Stoops has changed this program entirely. Even for Mitch Barnhart, if he has to make us another hire for the program, Mitch is in a better spot to sell this program than what he was nine years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I think – I mean, if the day ever comes and I've got to write the column about Stoops leaving, like I, I would say that like he – the main takeaway, at least to this point of his era, has been that you can win. I don't even know that I would say the word big because everything is relative in college football. But for people of a certain age, getting to eight regular season wins seemed like impossible. And because they never done it really since what, eight, 1984. Yeah. So he's shown that you could, I'm not saying, you know, I think it'll always be hard for UK to, to win the SEC East. I mean, it's just, you hoped probably in hindsight that they could have been stronger there early in the 2010s, whenever teams like South Carolina, Missouri were winning. Cause you know, if they, some of those teams they've had the last, like the 2018 UK team maybe could have won the SEC East if you had the same setup as when Georgia was down, Florida was down. Unfortunately, it looks like it's probably not going to happen. So it makes it a little tougher. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, what he's done is shown you can have a functional Kentucky football program that you don't have to be a seller dweller year in and year out. Whenever Stoops got hired at Kentucky, Vanderbilt was legitimately a better program. Yeah. Than UK. UK's made investments. Stoops has had a plan in place. He, I mean, I think Vanderbilt, the way it was, was always bound when Franklin left to fall back down. But like, there's not even a comparison anymore between the two. I mean, Vanderbilt is, they don't act like an SEC team, whereas I say Kentucky does these days. But there's always going to be limits at UK. And I think at a certain point, that's what Stoops has to decide, you know, can. If I, is he might only have one more shot these next two years. I really think that. I mean, he's not super old. I mean, he's only what 53. So I mean, he's got a lot of years left if he wants to coach. I mean, he could legitimately coach 15 more years. So, but along those lines, Sean, can you look up one day and see Mark Stoops 24 years as a head coach somewhere? Like, that's just, it doesn't really happen anymore. I think no. Kirk Ferentz is where, like 22 these days. I think he, I think he got hired in 1999 at Iowa and he's the longest tenure guy right now. Like, it's hard to, hard to get to that point. It's a lot to project. Um, that far out but it is pretty interesting though that first before there's even a game <laughs> this season <laughs> we're talking about mark stoops uh with connected and, to other jobs and the reason we're talking about it's because it was just three big names that threw it out and yeah it's a big podcast it's a big it, it is riders. now if it if it'd been someone else that doesn't have the credibility then we probably wouldn't have discussed it but it it's certainly a topic and it's a good thing Kentucky fans will be like, oh, you know, I don't want to think about Stoops leaving, but I mean, it's a good thing because it tells you where this program is right now from where it was. And, you know, Mark Stoops is solely focused on ULM for this Saturday and then having a big year. So we're, we're not going to get into to anything else with it. But if Kentucky has a big year, this won't be the last time that we talk about an, mm-hmm. a school and Mark Stoops possibly being an intriguing option for him, Derek. But we're excited for football season. Shaden Sharp announcing here in a couple of weeks on the basketball side of the, or pretty soon here on the basketball side of things, not a couple of weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a little too long there, Derek, but September 
could be a very big month for you Kentucky Daily listeners. We have some uh, really fun things planned. Going to make some changes to the mailbag soon. We'll announce that on the mailbag episode this week. We're going to change the days uh, for the mailbag and try to make it a little bit easier and, and give you more content to maybe start your week. So we'll announce that pretty soon. But stick with us here. Subscribe. Leave us a review. As always, this podcast is powered by Blue Wire Pods, and it's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations, one in Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. Visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.